many times we use the word doubt when we're just not sure about something. You know, well, are we going to be able to make it to the airport on time? I doubt it. You know, it's just kind of like we might, we might not. But doubt is really that way, isn't it? Doubt is one of those things that can eat you up. When we doubt that God is working in our lives, it can hurt deeply because we lack trust that we need. Is it sin to doubt? Probably. Then how do we overcome it? We have the life of Abraham demonstrates to us in Genesis chapter 15 as we study today how we overcome doubt. So stay tuned as we look to see how Abraham deals with it and how you can too. Hello everyone and welcome to the audio study guide of Northwood Baptist Church. I'm Trey Rhodes, a Connections Pastor here at Northwood Baptist Church. And if you have any questions or comments or anything like that and you'd like to get back with me, please uh, just uh, contact me at Trey, T-R-E-Y, at NorthwoodBaptist.com, and I will get back with you and uh, help you or encourage you or pray for you, or whatever it is you need, okay? I do want to say something to our Life Connection Group leaders. We're doing really well. The Children's Life Connection Group leaders are also doing really well, and I'm excited about what God is doing. We had 399, so if anybody knows someone that came in a little late, please let me know. It'd be neat if we got to 400 in the middle of the summer. Uh, which is one of our big uh, times that we think we're not going to grow, but uh, we have grown, and so I'm very thankful for that. People listening and responding and hearing and wanting to be in a place where God's people are, in community, learning the Word of God, caring for one another, and encouraging one another. That's what Life Connection Groups are about. So uh, if you know of anyone that is in that situation, like they came in late or something, you didn't count them, just let me know. That would be awesome. All righty, well, we're in Genesis chapter 15 in the life of uh, Abraham as he deals with doubt. Now, some of us have been very much in that way, in that place where we wonder if God's really listening or if God really knows what's going on. Uh, we doubt God. We say things like, uh, is he good? Um, can I trust him? Will he be faithful? Or maybe you just doubt yourself. Will you follow God well? You know, will you be the husband, the wife, uh, maybe will you be the mom or the dad or maybe the student uh, or the pastor or the Life Connection Group leader or the, or the godly Christian that uh, you thought you were. So the question comes back then, what do you do when you doubt? We look at Abraham. Abraham is fearful. Remember, he's, he's filled with doubt in what he's going through. Um, this is probably about 10 years after Abraham was called in Genesis 12. And he's followed God for all that time. He's been through famine. He's been through war. He's even been, uh, had conflict from within. Remember when Lot left him holding his own. And there's always that promise of God uh, bringing about descendants. But where are the descendants? Ten years of waiting. He's praying and he's hoping, but God's not come through. Uh, here's this 85-year-old man with a 75-year-old wife. And somehow, some way, they're supposed to be able to uh, have a child. Well, 10 years of following, what, what does he have to show for his faith? Not much. He's scared. He's thinking, has a, have a waste in my life. He's already fought this war, and he was victorious. There was that. 
But he, I'm sure he's saying, suppose there's another one. Is he going to lose his life before all this comes to pass? Um, so here's Abraham's two questions. Will God come through? And if God continues to make Abraham wait, can he come through for God? Uh, his vision is this. You know, God gives him a vision. It says, fear not, for I am your shield. Your, your reward will be great. So Abraham gets his word of comfort and responds in frustration. And the interesting thing about Abraham is he doesn't hold back. Uh, he said, if, if, if what you said is true, then where's my child? Why don't I go make one with my servant's heir? Well, that's a lot easier than making a 75-year-old woman a mother. So God doesn't scorn Abraham, but what he does is he assures him instead. He said, oh, Abraham, I want you to look up at the stars. I want you to count them all. Your descendants will outnumber the stars in the sky, and I'll give you this land. Now, Abraham believed and counted righteous before God when he believed. So here's an interesting thing to think about. He doubts, yet he's a believer. There's so many questions that have not been answered, but he still believes God even though there's doubts. Ever been that place? I know I have. You believe God, but you doubt. Maybe God's going to do it, but he just not, might not do it in your lifetime. Maybe God's going to do it, but he's not going to do it the way you think he's going to do it. Maybe God's going to do it, but he's going to do it in a way that you don't even know how he's going to do it, right? All those things come up. Maybe he's going to do it, but he's not going to do it through me. So Abraham's response says this, I believe, but Lord, I'm asking you, please show me more. How can I know that my descendants will possess this land? So Abraham says the same thing we do. I believe, just like that, that blind young man who was healed by Jesus, I believe, but help my unbelief. Well, we do the same thing. So God gives Abraham what he thinks for. He said, go get the animals, cut them in half, and he knows exactly what God's doing. This is a sign of the covenant, an ancient covenant ritual. And uh, we, um, we look at this and we think how gruesome it is. Um, you know, we kind of write a signature, so it's a little different. So very similar to what the wedding ceremony would have been in that time period. And so, uh, you know, think about how different your wedding ceremony would have been if you had laid halved animals down the center aisle. Anyway, this is a, a betrothal covenant. Father of the bride with the groom is a path of blood between the animals, and the groom walks first, and he has a white robe, and the robe gets blood splattered on it and all those things. And what he says, he says, I'll provide for your daughter. I'll take care of her, and if not, then you can treat me like these animals. And the father of the bride walks through, and he says, I promise to give you a virgin daughter worthy of your hand in marriage, and if not, you can treat me like these animals. Both make a promise and both say, both say, if I don't make good on my end, uh, the promise, may I die. Well, the sun sets and a holy God comes to the sinful man in darkness and dread. And here is Abraham, terrified. And so God says to Abraham, know your descendants will inherit this land. This land that you're standing in, they will be, yes, uh, they're going to disobey me. They're going to have 400 years away from, uh, from the land. They're going to leave and then they're going to come back. And uh, they're going to be slaves for that time period. And to Hebrews in the wilderness, he said, your enslavement was part of God's plan, but I want you to be patient. He is at work. You will get to the promised land. So God's promise is manifested as a smoking fire pot and a blazing torch. And by the way, remember, Abraham is, uh, Moses is writing this about Abraham as they're wandering in the wilderness and they saw the fire in, in the nighttime and they saw the the cloud of day or the smoke by day, and they knew to follow God. And so God is essentially saying, I've promised to bless you, Abraham. I promise to be your God. I promise to bring salvation to the world. I've 
I promised all these things. And uh, he said, um, and if I don't do what I say, may my immutability experience mutation. <laughs> I can't be changed, but that's going to change if that doesn't happen. May my immortality suffer mortality. Think about it, that God, who is the immortal one, will all of a sudden be mortal. May my infinity suffer limitation. May my power suffer powerlessness. May the impossible become possible. May I be cut off. May I be destroyed. May my body be ripped to pieces. That day seared in Abraham's mind whenever he doubted that he could come back to what I call a stack pole, a point in time where God did a big thing. But something's wrong. We see only God walking through these carcasses. That's not how it's supposed to be. The both the the husband and and the, the father are supposed to walk through. But the problem was is that God knew that Abraham couldn't be faithful. So God would come through for Abraham, but Abraham wouldn't come through for God. He'd fail God. He wouldn't live up to God's standard. He would continue to doubt, and God walks through for both parties, and he also walks through for Abraham. He's saying, I'll take it upon myself, the curse of the covenant. And I may I be cut off if I don't hold up my end of the covenant. But Abraham, may I be cut off if you don't uphold your end of the covenant covenant too. I'll bless you even if it means that I have to die. I'm the one that will pay the price. Remember another day in history that the sky went dark and Jesus the God-man hung on a cross and made a new covenant when he took the curse of the old covenant and he died for unfaithful people like me and like you and the people in your Life Connection Group class. Sinners, liars, hateful people, gossips, doubters, the self-centered. All those people Jesus died for in place of unfaithful sinners. And he did it when he rose again that all who would trust him, believe in him, would be made right with, would be made right with God. Galatians 3.3 says this, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. All right, so we don't have what it takes to come through for God. So God came through for us by taking that curse. Now, since God would go to such great lengths, don't you think we can trust him? If God can take care of that, God can take care of the rest, right? There shouldn't be any room for doubt. But when you do, what do you do? I think the key is exactly what we just talked about. You go to the cross. Number one, go to the cross. Every time Abraham doubted, he was, he was to remember the covenant. It's the same thing for you. Remember the covenant that Jesus did when he died on the cross. He promised you. The cross proves you can trust God. If God would put his son through wrath to save you from his wrath, then you can trust him. That means he can provide for your financial needs. He can help you through your sickness. He can give you wisdom to navigate difficult decisions. He can empower you to faithfully parent your children. He can help, make it, help you make it through whatever you are going through. Every time you doubt, go to the cross. That's why Pastor Tommy says we need to preach the gospel to ourselves over and over and over. But not only do we go to the cross, we also confess at the cross. Confess your doubt. Don't run away from the cross because God is there. And he is the one who is our shield. And we've got to run to him with our doubts. He was the one that will protect us. We confess our faith. You know, we say, I believe, but help my unbelief. Um, that's saying, you know, I believe, but I don't get it. I, I don't quite understand what's going on. 
Help me see my life from your perspective. And then you confess your failures. Your doubt caused you to turn from God and walk in, walk in sin. And confess it. So we confess our faith and we confess our failure. And that honesty is what many of us are lacking in our journey of faith. And then finally, number three, stay at the cross. Going to the cross is simple. Staying at the cross isn't. We treat the cross like a child gets a new toy, don't we? You know, it's, they're real excited at first, but then they just move on. Here's the part about the cross. It can't be like a toy. You've got to stop moving on. How do you see the cross? Is it your ticket to heaven? Or is it the anchor for your soul? Now, some of you think that the cross has served its purpose. It got you the, you know, the get-out-of-jail-free card. We don't have to go to hell. You move on. And we look at Hebrews chapter 6, which is always a good place to go when you're trying to discover what God's doing with the new covenant and the old versus the old covenant. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 13 to 20, it talks about Abraham. And, and when it talks about Abraham, very possibly the writer of Hebrews has Genesis 15 in mind. As he relates the covenant of Abraham to the covenant of Christ, he says this in verse 19. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the, hope, of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf. That's why we go to the cross, and that's why we start clinging. And there is only one anchor. His name is Jesus Christ. Cling to Jesus and let go of everything else. Let it go. Does nothing but drag you down. We're always looking for something to put our faith and trust in rather than the only one we can trust. We're always looking to something to get us through what we're going through. Let me assure you, if you're hanging on to anything other than the cross of Christ, you're going to drift because it's meant and designed to be the anchor for your soul. Remember what he told Abraham, fear not, I am your shield. You see, without him, you have no shield, you have no anchor, you have no real security. So cling to the grace of God. Cling to that relationship with Jesus. Cling to his promise. Cling to the Bible. Cling to the, the, the people that God has brought into your life. That's why. Life connection groups are so important. That's why we've got to let people know how important it is that they become a part of a life connection group. That's why we've got to make sure that people know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord of their lives so that they hold on to the anchor rather than money and sex and relationship and bitterness and all those things. Hang on to what's secure. Trust in Him and run to His cross in repentance and faith. All right, let's look straight into Genesis chapter 15 and go through these questions. First, on honesty time, let me go through the one I, I picked out, which is uh, number two. I like this one because there's not, there shouldn't be anybody in your class who can't answer this. Number two, have you ever doubted God? When was a time in your life that you had serious doubts in your relationship with God? Wow, we can all say that, can't we? Wow, you say, man, I just don't know. I just don't know if God can, get to, can forgive me one more time. You know, I, when I was going through this, I wasn't sure that God was there with me. You know, so uh, talk that up. And then if that doesn't work, then number three is also kind of a good follow-up. What causes you to doubt God and what do you do when you doubt? So those kind of things will probably tie together. If you want to use some of the others, if you want to even go to Galatians 6.14, then feel free. Uh, let's examine the text. Number one, read Genesis 15.1. All right, 15 chat, verse 1. It... Uh, I just turned too many pages, sorry. All right, 15, verse 1. 
After these events, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward will be very great. Now, why was Abraham afraid? Well, think about it. Maybe he's going to go through. Remember we talked about it. He's going to go through another battle, maybe. Maybe um, he's going to deal with, uh, have to deal with not having the child like he thought. Maybe God was not going to use him, right? All kind of things are going on through his mind. Maybe the land would never be his. How was that going to take place? Why did he have to be afraid of, what did, excuse me, what did he have to be afraid of since God was good to him? The answer was absolutely nothing. And then in verse 1, God says to Abraham, I'm your shield. But what did he mean? He is the one that is, is protecting Abraham. He is his shield. We don't have to worry. If God can take care of what he's taken care of, we don't need to be fearful. He is our shield to remind us. That shield reminds us that God is there protecting us. Why did Abraham need to know that God was a shield? Well, he, had, he was having issues understanding how God was going to work this thing out with his, his descendants. Um, you know, he, he thought, will God come through? And so in this time, he gets this word of, of comfort. And, and, and so Abraham, in the midst of that, doesn't hold back, does he? Now, why did Abraham need to know that God was a shield? Could God have described himself to Abraham in, in a number of ways? So why does he describe himself as a shield? Um, I think that uh, when we think about the shield, it is this idea of protection. He's been protecting Abraham, and he will continue to do so. Number three. All right, Genesis 15, 2. And the Bible says, But Abraham said, Lord God, what can you give me since I am childless and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus? <clears throat> so, you know, he's, <laughs> he's saying, God, are you going to come through? Are you going to you're going to continue to make me wait? I'm, I'm getting kind of old, God. I don't know if you've noticed. Um, so we have here Abraham responding and he's just not holding back. He, he felt like Eleazar was the only option. His wife is 75, he's 85, nothing's happening. I was hearing somebody talk about it had been 18 years since they'd had a child. It had been 85 years. Well, let's just say that he was childbearing age at, at, at 20 or 15. Let's just use 15. Maybe they got married young then. But still, that is 70 years he'd waited. All right, read Genesis 15.6. Let me read that real quick. The Bible tells us this, that Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. This is a significant verse because it is this point that Abraham begins to understand the covenant of God, that God is going to do what he says he's going to do. So why did belief make him righteous? It was his belief that did that only has always made anyone righteous is the belief that God can and does in our lives. Here, uh, Romans 4, 3, Paul chooses to quote Genesis 15, 6. Um, it's very simple. When Paul quoted that verse, it was for the reason of saying, hey, listen, you can trust me. I can, the same God that made a covenant with Abraham 
to fulfill and to make him a people of a great, uh, uh, great nation. I am the same God that will fulfill my promise to you to take you all the way to heaven. I am the same God who will forgive you of your sin. Let them talk about that a little bit too. That's a good one. What was the significance of the covenant ritual that Abraham participated with God, in with God? Uh, you look at verses 6 through 12 and then 17 to 18. It's very simple. Abraham, this was a betrothal covenant where you would take the animals and you would cut them in half and you would walk through with a white robe and you would say, if I do not fulfill my part of the covenant, you can treat me like you did these animals. And the, remember, the husband would do it and then uh, the father would do it. And he'd say, if I didn't, don't present my wife to you, or your wife to you, my daughter to you, as I said I would as a virgin uh, who would take care of you and take care of your needs, then you can do to me what I have done to these animals. That's the significance of it. And here we have God doing the same thing, and that's what verse uh, number 6 says. What was the significance of God passing through the half carcasses but not Abraham? Very simply, God did it because he said, I'm going to fulfill, fulfill my covenant to you, but I know that you're going to fail, and I will not be, you will not be able to fulfill your covenant to me, so I will take it. I will take the curse upon myself. If you don't see how this story helps us understand the gospel, I don't know how you can't see that, because it was Jesus that took the curse upon himself. In Galatians, uh, I think it's chapter 6, he says, I will take the curse that you deserve uh, when Jesus died on the cross for us and took our place. He took our curse. Excuse me, it's Galatians 3.3. 3. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. That's what Jesus did for us. All right, guys, let's apply the truth. What we do is we, remember what we do? Number one, run to the cross. How is the cross of Jesus the fulfillment of all of God's promises? He went to the cross for you and for me to say, I'm making a new covenant that now you can trust because it is the cross that demonstrates God loves you enough that he was willing to suffer the curse to bring you into a relationship with himself. And if God would put through his son through the wrath to save you, then you can trust him. It's as simple as that. Um, let's see here. How does the cross help us deal with our doubts? Well, if God can take care of that. If he can save us from eternal hell, then there's nothing, nothing that he can't do in our lives. Number two, how can you, remember, number two, how do we stay at the cross? Actually, it's number three. How do we stay at the cross? Uh, don't treat it like a new toy. Don't continue to move on. Hang on to the cross. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19, a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that, enter, that helps us enter into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf. We cling to the cross. We hold to it. You don't need to move on. Never get away. Preach the gospel to yourself if you every single day that Jesus died for my sins, that he rose again, that I might have eternal life, that he is now seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, and he is ever making intercession for me. Preach the cross 
preach the gospel to yourself. Uh, that kind of leads us into number three. Read Hebrews 6, 19. Uh, how does this verse encourage you in your relationship with Jesus? Are you anchoring your soul or your life to anyone or anything else other than Jesus? And if you are, you're going to be miserable. Tell your life connection group that. What will it take for you to anchor your life to Jesus alone? And then finally, go respond, respond to the truth. Number one, what do you think God is calling you to do in response to Hebrew, uh, excuse me, <laughs> Hebrews now? But Genesis chapter 15, uh, what I would say, we're going to talk about giving up doubt and other things in our lives. Number two, how will Genesis 15 inform the way you pray? Lord, uh, I want to trust you. I know you saved me from my sin. I want to cling to your cross. I want to come to your cross. I'm going to stay there. I'm going to, I'm going to put away those other things. And it's going to only be you that makes important to myself. That's the only thing. Number three, what does it mean to preach the gospel to yourself? I just did it for you a minute ago. You might want to go back and do that. Uh, what can you do this week to preach the gospel to yourself? What can you do? What is, it, what is, what is that one thing that you can do to help bring yourself back to uh, preach the gospel to yourself? Talk about Jesus dying for you. And if you can trust him to die for you, you can trust him for the rest. Amen. All right, guys, let me pray for you and let you go. And we just trust that God is going to use you in a great way with your Life Connection group this week. Dear Father, thank you so much for all you're doing and all you're going to continue to do. Father, we do trust in the cross. We want to stay at the cross. We want to, be, we want to just be uh, obsessed with the cross every moment of every day of our lives. Lord, that it is the cross, it is the cross, it is the cross. It is what Paul said in our lives, that we owe glory only in the cross. Hold fast. Cling to it as the anchor of your soul. Lord Jesus, help us all to do that. Help the Life Connection Group teachers teach their people what it means to cling to the cross. What an exciting message we have to share this week. Use us for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, guys, thank you so much for all you do. God bless you and keep you. And uh, if you have any questions, as I said, Trey at NorthwoodBaptist.com. I'd love to talk to you about anything like that. All righty, guys, God bless. Uh, have a great Sunday.